Must be like the wolf pack, not like six pack. Teamwork. Yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of There's No I in Podcast, a podcast about teams. It's about being in teams. It's about leading teams. It's about making the most out of your teams. My name is Mark Johnson. I am a performance maker and a performance teacher, and I am joined, as always, uh, by my partner in pod, uh, sports coach and head of co-curricular and sport at our shared workplace, Sean Gallagher. Hello, Sean. Hello, Mark. How's it going? Really good. Uh, very excited to have guests on again. Absolutely. There is only so much people need to hear me and you chattering away. Exactly. So this week we're, we've got a, a brilliant one. Um, we're going to be speaking to a chap called Stephen Feeney. Now you got Stephen on the podcast, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So it's been actually a bit of a, a bit of a journey. Um, it's been a couple of years since I, I actually first came across Stephen and within our workplace, we were in a group and there was a bit, like a forum. And so a couple of us got together and he was the guest speaker. Um, and he's just sort of took us through his work as a mental skills coach and obviously uh, founder of the Invictus Project, uh, where he works with really high performing teams, mainly uh, rowing, because that's his background. Uh, and I just got a really good vibe off of him. He's super intelligent, really knows his stuff. And I just thought he'd be a great person to get onto the podcast. And eventually we got there um, and I was really pleased with with the episode. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking to Stephen about the work that he does on training some of the mental performance elements of being a sports person. And I mean, it's amazing because a lot of it does kind of go towards whatever team you're in. Like, how do you build, how do you build mindset and develop mindset to, to really succeed? Uh, he talks about it so eloquently. So let's jump straight to him. Uh, Stephen Finney. We are super excited and extremely privileged to have joining us on the podcast today, uh, Stephen Feeney. Stephen is the founder of an organization called Invictus International. Uh, Invictus International train athletes focusing on uh, the mental tools that are required to reach world-class elite level. Uh, he's going to talk about it a lot more uh, now. Uh, he's also been an athlete. He's also been on a bunch of teams. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you very much, Mark, for the intro. Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting time for athletes. Um, my background is I competed uh, just on a on a normal level. When I was at school and then got a bit more involved in it and ended up in the national team for several years. And then I'd end up learning a few lessons that way and retired a year before the 2012 Games. Thereafter, got involved on the coaching side of things and then learned a few more lessons about athletes and communication and, and everything else and then sidestepped away from that uh, a bit more into the business side of things and in the interim one of um, the athletes I used to look after had a bit of a, a bit of a burnout at university and I was like yeah. this stuff I was going to go and do in business I'm going to go and do this with athletes now so I ended up pivoting and um, instead of going to work with corporates uh, on on this type of stuff I decided I wanted to go and do it with athletes. Your event when you were an athlete yourself was rowing correct? That's correct yeah yeah going fast backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, is that do you primarily focus around that and similar events now, or do you work across the across all sports? It's got a bit wider now. Um, given my background, uh, not everybody is always open and willing to let people in the door to come and play around with their teams and play around with how they think. Uh, and obviously, I'd, I had reasonable connections within rowing circles. And it was just getting a, a team to work with. It didn't really matter who they were. And I was I had the opportunity to work with a very good team. And that was used as a bit of a stepping stone. But it's since been branched off. I had a, a connection made with a professional rugby player that's exceptionally good. Uh, three days ago, for example, I worked with semi-pro tennis players. And I haven't had... F1 Patronus ring me up just yet or Chelsea football team but maybe like in the next year um, once they once they see what I can do elsewhere maybe maybe I'll get the phone Chelsea, call Chelsea need a mental skills coach at the moment Stephen they need you as yeah. a fan they need you yeah so um, we'll see all these things grow in time but yeah like it's it's broadened out a little bit um, more and yeah I, I always treat it as a team and I don't know anything about that domain and it keeps me unbiased uh whenever i go and uh, or enter within like the teams and it keeps my feet in the ground so i don't make any presuppositions uh, on anything absolutely you put it quite interestingly there just as you were talking that teams don't necessarily feel comfortable having someone coming in from outside messing with how they think and that's something i wanted to touch on during during this chat actually because that sounds like that's that's the focus of your work is about individual mindset and also group mindset in terms yeah. of in terms of the contribution that makes towards team building and performance. That's really where you focus your attention, is it? Usually, like a lot of um, sometimes coaches will um, will want something solved. So usually, you'll see it within any, any team environment. Usually, people only try to adapt something if it's not working. And that's a little bit different from how I do things where I like to condition them and and propel it forward and strengthen it and simplify it. Uh, so then on a, a harder day or a harder condition, like lockdown or whatever, the, the systems are already built. Um, or if you're going to a competition, it's already built. There's no like large motivational conversation that has to be had on the day to, to stir the emotions up and... Usually a lot of teams only have problems because of how people behave and how people communicate or there's a lack of communication or standards. So um, we go in uh, or I go in and, and provoke uh, how people think to begin with without telling them what to do Brilliant. because <laughs> at the end of the day, they need to make their own decisions uh, and it's not up to me how things need to be. People have to take responsibility for what they want to do and how they wish to do things. And... Um, it is all based around, I was phenomenally outcome focused when I was an athlete. That's like purely, it was all about the outcome and, and destroying whoever I was competing against, which is, which is definitely a, an, a good way that you can go and motivate yourself. Uh, but since then, uh, and it's not that I don't want the teams or individuals I work with to do exceptionally well. I do because it works better for me in that way uh, on a reputational sense, but we focus very much on how they're doing things rather than what they're doing or what they're attaining along the way. Those things are more so byproducts. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's interesting because sports sports are like even from a audience uh, audience spectator point of view. There's my there's my drama teacher coming out uh, from a spectator <laughs> point of view. 
the outcomes are what we're cheering for. But certainly for me as a as a sports spectator, the the process is is what's really engaging. Like the 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 whole game, not just that we won at the end. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Um, so Stephen, you said that you know coaches come to you because they potentially have an issue, they have a problem, uh, and maybe maybe they want to try and fix that. What what are some of those main key things that coaches do come to you with um, that kind of hinder the team, maybe hinder that cohesion um, and that you kind of work with them to, to develop and improve? Like anything, it's not, you don't have to be a, a neuroscientist or psychologist to, uh, to see like sometimes common denominators and in, in what inhibits teams. And that sometimes you can have teams that are exceptionally talented, but that talent alone won't, um, won't make it uh, sustainable to be able to attain like a really high level or they might be able to do it once because they've got the talent there but then if there's a, a variables in how they think or there's expectation that they're just going to go and get it done because they think they're amazing that can be very very fragile whenever that thing goes wrong and it becomes very exhausting having to manage people like that because they basically get easily dictated to by external conditions so we look at a lot of within a lot of domains like the coaches will have problems presented to them but it's usually after the athlete has let that problem accrue from something very small and then they'll go here you go coach i've got this massive problem i'm sure you guys within your domains as well it'll be like they won't come to you like at the source of the problem they'll come to you after it's turned into like the white rapids and you're like why Why have you let this escalate for like five or six months? Uh, which which then also takes away from how people are doing things because it ends up the coach having to resolve that problem rather than actually teaching them about what they what they know technically or or moving on with actually what the fundamentals are. And it's not that those things it's not that solving problems aren't important, but a lot of people usually wait for things to happen and then and then they look to resolve it rather than. It's a little bit different. I, with the athletes and teams I work with, we say, what do you want to make happen rather than things happening to you? Um, so it's a slightly slightly different flip on it. And um, within the realms, I never use the, the term psychology that often within the work that I do because the association I had with it when I was, a, I was an athlete in the national team is I, I was, why would I need to talk to a psychologist who don't have a problem? So usually people think that you need need to have a problem but I'll go and talk to teams and if they don't have any problems I'll just say this is what we've done elsewhere this is how we've done it uh, once this is conditioned this is what you this is what you can this is what you can get set up and it's it's in a nutshell it's like a sustainable way to change and, and keep pushing up standards and abilities indefinitely and people become smarter and the process becomes simpler the coaches can actually get on with sport it becomes an applicable and a readable roadmap, doesn't it? It becomes something that they can yeah. take on themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're addition, you're giving the responsibility to you're giving the responsibility to them as opposed to them coming to you and go, "I need you to help me solve this big problem." You're teaching you're teaching the athletes how to manage themselves exceptionally well. Something I was dreadful at when I was an athlete, um, and then. <laughs> And then you're teaching them how to maintain themselves because we spend so much time thinking about how to condition the body and how we can strengthen it and make it fitter and, and learn like better technical skills or, or a bit of strategy depending on what the game is. But 
never very rarely do people measure measure themselves mentally and how they're doing stuff because you could have the most talented person on the planet but if I, I don't I don't watch football that much but it looks like Ronaldo gets a bit emotional sometimes uh, on the pitch and you can just tell instantly that the guys around him don't, would, don't want to play for him as soon as it, as soon as that happens and he's like the one of the most valuable players on the earth and it's mm. like if that guy had some if he tweaked some of the skills that he had like a little bit on how he communicates much like I don't know if anybody you guys have watched uh, the the Michael Jordan um, documentary. Yes, yes, definitely. It, it's, that it's was a, a great watch. It's a brilliant example. So a guy that was exceptionally talented, um, extreme, extremely uh, focused on himself, but he thought he had to go and do it on his own. And once he learned to communicate better, I think he still was learning how to communicate uh, the whole way through his career. Um, but yeah. The, he, the coach showed him whenever you can communicate better and work with others well it, it won't just be one game or one championship you'll be winning you'll be winning back-to-back championships year on year and because you'll be able to work like like anything if you got if you're one horse pulling the cart you can go so far but if you have like 10 horses working together it's it's a really hard thing to stop it also feels like if you can if you can kind of finesse that that communication or that develop that ability to know how to work with people then the organization's ability to change with the times or develop along the way so i think about we talk about tom brady a lot on on this uh podcast because we're american football fans or at least i am and you know he's he's older than most people who play his position have ever been uh moved on to a brand new team his ability to to lead in in the way that that he does through spending time with his teammates making sure they're on the same wavelength means he's you know he's on his way towards potentially another super bowl with a brand new team you know that that isn't just about his physical prowess because by now at 43 or wherever he's at he's not the best physical version of himself it's Mm -hmm. about how do you how do you get the team working properly as quickly as you can and he seems to be a bit of a master of it yeah, it's just a lot of people are shaped through their through experience, and it's not the stuff I do isn't revolutionary. Like I, I read lots of books <laughs> from history and and philosophy and psychology and everything else, and everybody thinks it's like a unique. Um, I'll talk to academics and I oh that's that theory, and I was like, well, you could say that, but then I can pick up a philosophy book from two thousand years and go look. There's he's pretty much saying the same thing. So I never, I never like to to like brand it in one way, but a lot of people, very few individuals, um, condition or challenge how they think. They're only very, they're only taught to absorb information, but never challenged on the mechanisms that they use to make decisions along the way. And it could be like, if I think back on like the influences I had, um, I guess being within elite sport, it challenges you a little bit on how you're doing things. I I rarely challenged my character, uh, and I was very intermittent. I'd be very fiery, extremely determined, uh, very disciplined, uh, but also sometimes to my detriment. And there was nobody. The only limiting factor in in any individual or a team is themselves. And I'm not saying you can think your way to a championships or to be a world champion you need to have put the work in um but 
you could probably think your way out of one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, it's just, it's just, it's just another angle. Which I, it, it's, it's strange because um, I, I've started working with uh, a bunch of Olympians recently, and um, it's so funny, like that stuff hadn't really, stuff hadn't really changed that much in the last ten years, even since I'd been there. They still let leave the athletes to their own devices. Uh, there's nobody challenging like the tone or the responsibility of what people are doing and they're telling the athletes what to do and maybe getting like a little bit of correspondence but nobody is saying well how are you doing this or how are you turning up or how are you applying yourself or how do you want to do it even we um absolutely i mean we we had a dom walsh um uh, an academy coach on on a while back now um and he's worked at you know in different environments uh, and he was working at an elite academy and it was just really interesting because we had a conversation where we were saying once you're in that environment coaches don't step out of the box very often so whatever that organi organization expects of what a coach should look like whether it's team gb whether it's chelsea football club whether it's in the nfl um, there'll be a certain type of way they want their coaches to be, which can negate personality. It can negate creativity. It can negate asking those bigger questions to athletes that maybe coaches want to do. But if you're the only coach doing it, you may almost single yourself out. I don't know if you've had those experiences or come across that, but it's really interesting um, that you've said there's not been that much change. And I think maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, it's just, I think if you have, I think if you look at the way that stuff's moved on, like if you use rugby as an example, I certainly remember rugby back in the day, like 15, 20 years ago, um, like a university side condition today could probably have a good crack at some pretty high tier teams because of all the S and C development and, and the physiology yeah. and, and just the pure training of what they're doing. And I haven't seen a huge shift forward. I think across in the States, they're a little bit more on the ball with this type of stuff. They're more attentive to how they're doing it. I went and visited um, the States, like the East Coast in 2019 and took a bit of a tour up along through like the Ivy League universities and tried to go and visit some of the professional teams, but they weren't they weren't so open and inviting me in to look around just yet. Uh, but maybe in the next oh, no. year, year or two. They're missing out. They're missing out, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. But they all had... Um, they all had a, a, a mental conditioning coach within like the, the top NFL teams, uh, the top baseball teams, and and even within like yeah within the basketball teams as well. It's something that they see as a fundamental. So like much like you described, the coach can get on with. It's it's not a coach's job at that level to have to do everything. Um, obviously at like a at like a school level like a coach might wear a lot of different hats but at, you're doing at, a lot of teaching at that level yeah but even even at the, at the say, school level yeah Jose Mourinho like he's 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 amazing at um, helping manage individuals well uh, not holding their hand but certainly being able to provoke thinking challenge like people into what state they're going to go and do things at and he's 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 phenomenally good at he's a phenomenally good tactician at knowing how to shape and mold a team mentally and not making them tough, making them smart. So he knows exactly where they're going to be sharpest on the day, and it's going everybody's going to be scratching their heads saying, "How is this guy doing this again?" Uh, but he's obviously got like a yeah. you just listen to him 
and he comes across he's, he's got like a, a funny persona because he comes across like a bit blase or whatever but the man the man he hasn't got a, any degrees in it but you don't need to because he's got the experience of having exceptionally challenging talented individuals and being able to guide them without forcing their arm or forcing their hand or saying this is the way that you have to do it he's very good at provoking thoughts uh, and then getting like an aligned approach so there's a huge trust and commitment and responsibility of what's been done and it's just it's funny because right at the top end it's it's a very important thing amongst companies and amongst amongst top end elite teams and it's not that it's not important at the bottom end but people don't look at it as 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 something as a contributing factor in the way you would do is like s and c or or other elements like that or we need to go and do this physical work and we, we don't know if we've got time to sit down and have a chat for a week for like one hour a week but well but but again Stephen, i mean saying you know totally agree with you but you know when we when we look at snc and we've had uh, dan laverpore on here who's worked at an uh, an olympic level um uh, and now works for london pulse uh, yeah. a netball netball team and you know snc 20 years ago wasn't where it is today and i think that mental skills will be the next you know, it will be the next thing. Your work, I think, yeah. in 20 years' time will be much more normalized. Um, but it's just getting people like yourself and others into these environments on a more regular basis, I think, um, to, to kind of push it. Um, and, and then I think uh, we'll all be better for it. I think all, all of these teams will be better for it. I just wanted to, um, because we've looked at kind of what has hindered those teams um, and, and what coaches maybe do ask you to come in for. Yeah. Um, but you've kind of broken down in, in, in sort of four elements what you would do when you go into these into these teams. And we may have talked around these already. Um, and if we have done, obviously, um, you know, we can maybe miss those off. But um, if you could maybe take us for those four sort of pillars sure. yeah, yeah. that you that you work within a team, because I think that'd be really helpful to our audience. Sure. Yeah. So so quite rarely do we ever see like people that- like really laying out the markers of how they want the team to be shaped. And um, an easy way to look at it is um, when I talked to the professional rugby player the other day, um, it was just like a normal catch up and kind of I found out like what they do within that domain and they're a phenomenally good team that he plays for. And um, I said like, well, how do you be, how would your teammates describe you in a good day? Character wise, not how you're playing and how they describe you in a bad day. And if you've got a big old scale on that, I was like, right, I don't need to be a rugby, rugby expert to know how are you playing on a bad day? How are you playing if you're having a bad day? And how are you playing if you're having a good day? But just purely based on characteristics. So it, you're basically challenging the awareness then straight away. Uh, and obviously, like, well, if you put that there on the table, they won't like that range, especially at, at any level, they wouldn't like the range. And also you're giving the responsibility across to the person. So it's not my responsibility for you to turn up and like be on the ball. It's it's your responsibility to do that. Uh, and you see a lot of information. Uh, I was certainly a, a catalyst of this as well, like telling athletes what to do. So they, they really relied on me and being responsible. But I think an important thing is 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 giving the ownership and responsibility to the athletes so they, they can lead themselves and the coaches work as, a, as an amplifier for that uh, and like a facilitator to help push it forward. 
And another little bit as well on the shaping side of things is that a lot of athletes um, think that they gain the most experience really whenever they go and play a big game or a competition or a match and they think that's where they're going to learn the most and it's where things are really going to step up for the day. Um, I never look at I never look at that's going to be the day that they're going to get the best experience. You 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 if you notice how you're experiencing things on a day to day basis, it means in the day that you have to go and perform. <laughs> well, no, you, you don't go and perform. You just go and do what you do normally, um, and you're aware of how you're being shaped by your experiences each day and each week, and it's pretty cool then because then they get to they get to see how they're shaping themselves, which is which is a very different angle that I haven't... I don't think I've come up with it. There's nothing revolutionary in what I'm discussing. I'm sure that we could find the theories online. Um, but it's just a lot of that shaping is giving the responsibility to the athletes and getting them to set the tone and getting them to be aware of how they're experiencing things because a lot of the focus within within so much sport and teams is more so on what's happening rather than how people are doing it so like this is what session we've got today and that that type of stuff rather than saying actually well how are you turning up who are you focused on today um what what are you what are you thinking about and how are you going to make this thing happen yeah you say you haven't invent you're not inventing the wheel um which is fair but from experience that invitation to an athlete or to a person to self-evaluate, to self-reflect, is not a straightforward one. So there is some finesse that you must be bringing there in order to to meet them or have them meet you in a place where they're ready to do that, or if they're not ready to do that but need to, help them along that journey. To, because, because, you know, if we are talking about big personalities and we are talking about big egos, the, yeah. the, the readiness to be a person that goes, I'm over here or over here, uh, it's not necessarily a comfortable question for those guys. How do you how do you get them ready for that process? So I I talking about egos, I was not the most easily managed athlete when I was younger. <laughs> um, even though even though even though I was I was uh, there was a bit of talent in there as well. But the biggest limiting factor was uh, my approach and communication and and everything else. And if you look at it from an, I've I've got that understanding, which is which is really important to to the work that I do, and I'd never use my 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 stories uh, on with the athletes, but I've got an understanding because I've done it, I've done it an interesting way before, and I've done it the hard way, and I know what I would I know what I would think if uh, an athlete or somebody come in to talk, I know like where I'd be tuned in at, it's saying, well. What can we do? Like a lot of the stuff I do is is a lot of stuff doors are opened based on who I've worked with, mm. um, and the doors the doors are continuing to open, and also they see like my background as an athlete as well. Um, I think it sh- it should feel like a conversation, so you need to be able to build rapport easily and quickly and have a bit of fun. I went and gave um I went and gave a talk to um I worked with Oxford boat race team now at the minute but the first talk I gave to those guys um, was like four days before the boat race uh, in 2018 I think it was and um, I just I saw somebody at a bun and I just got stuck into them about what they're eating 
uh, and had like a bit of fun with him. So it breaks the ice. Yeah. And also people wouldn't be, people are expecting like this sciencey person, but it's just like, if you can, if you can have fun without being funny and make people feel comfortable, then they're also a little bit more open to talking. Yeah. And it's not about throwing somebody in the deep end with all of the information because it will be too much, but it's showing people actually, what do you want to do at the end of the day? I want to perform. And nobody in the room will say, listen, this is the way that I am all the time because athletes don't want to show... Athletes hate showing weakness, but also they know that there's nobody that's going to say, listen, I'm impervious to every single scenario. There's nothing you can do to me because everybody has a breaking point. Definitely. I haven't met an athlete that says, yeah, I'm like I'm like a perfect role model all the time. Um, they they once you ask that question, they're like, "Frick, I didn't think about it in that way because it's just a question that they wouldn't hear." Um, and it's 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 warming it up to that point, showing them like a little bit of theory, telling them some stories, a little bit about the people I've worked with, and I know it will sit perfectly for them um, whenever they're hearing the stories. Um, and then they can relate to the stories, and then you go, "Right, well, these are the stories, but let's ask you guys those questions to see how it's sitting because it's." You're kind of serving an entree up and then building up to the main course. Yeah, I I, I really agree with you. Obviously, not being a professional athlete, Stephen, but as someone who wants to engage uh, and develop my my myself, um, you know, I didn't have a clue about SNC. I went to a conference. I spoke to to Dan, and he came across as a normal human being. Uh, you know, I know there are a lot of laptop kind of warriors out there and kind of really into the data and very difficult to have a conversation with some SNC coaches and that's not my personality. So yeah. I was able to vibe with him off the back of a conference in the same way that when we met, when you came in for a talk, yeah. I felt like, okay, this, this seems like a normal down to earth guy who knows what he's talking about in this field. Um, I can get on board with this. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what we're talking about here, aren't we with, with these athletes? It's coming in the same level. I think if you, I always, I was, I, I, I wasn't very good when I was an athlete of thinking that I could learn from other individuals, and I, I tried to teach myself, which was useful and also extremely detrimental. And if you think that you can't learn something from somebody, then you're going to be stuck, or you'll really limit what you can do along the way. And I was very much like that when I was an athlete. But also, if I say that to an audience, they'll be like, "Freaking heck, this guy." There's no way I would. Have, there's no way I would have said that when I was an athlete. Um, I just wouldn't have had. I wouldn't have right. had like the grunt to do it because I wouldn't want to have shown any weakness. But it, it's kind of saying this is why. This is why I didn't. This is why or trip myself up and then giving them. I don't tell them about me, but we we kind of distill it in in other examples. And if there's um the reason the reason a lot of teams uh, struggle to perform even if they've got quite good talent amongst the team is because there's a lack of. It's not that you want to expose your weaknesses, but you just want to show what's on the table. Because if you're only, a lot of people just see themselves in the light that they wish to be seen. But if that was the case, then they'd just do what they'd, they'd, they'd be impervious to everything and they'd never have any setbacks and they wouldn't lose any matches. And it's like, well, obviously that's not the case. Like there's a, there's a range of how you're operating and nobody's conditioned it. So I'll, on a bad day, I'll make you okay uh, to good. Uh, whereas everybody else, you could be a world champion, but you can operate over this end, and it's not a it's not a linear path. It's a bit of a non-linear. Like people, 
sometimes get curveballs that you're not expecting and everything can be going along perfectly or not perfectly but very well and then they'll get this new challenge and then then they're saying well this is another experience how do you want to how do you want to do this and then some of the stuff's been pretty interesting that I've had to deal with with some athletes uh in like the last um in one of the most notable ones is like the, an athlete a young athlete was diagnosed with a tumor uh really young and um i just said to them like how do you want to do this and they said exactly the way that we've been preparing so far i was like cool so should we just use the same tools then and keep conditioning it and the guys touched like got through everything and got all the treatment and everything else but it was so nice to see that because of what he'd put in position he's able to keep his feet in the ground over what would be quite a big quite a big like quite a big challenge or put the biggest challenge that anybody could ever face do you know what i mean so wow incredible incredible i think i think and, and i think that goes into obviously the work you know that you've done leading up to that stage um yeah. and, and the work that you you do with these athletes and like you said before it's not about building up to sort of one moment it's kind of every single day and what we're working towards every single day and i think on a on a separate case but you know with with the pandemic i think you you've seen what teams are strong because they've able to kind of translate togetherness community engagement staying in touch working together but just virtually and maybe if those building blocks weren't put in place sort of physically when they were with each other that may have crumbled by now sort yeah, of yeah. in our third lockdown <laughs> yeah people it's just it's just having an awareness like if you're aware of what you're conditioning and you're aware of how you can simplify it like that range isn't simple that the, the range of how people behave and how people think is quite wide and it's not very simple so it means it's kind of like a pick and mix you just you could put your hand into the sweetie jar and not really be sure what you're going to pull out for that situation and even though a lot of things are kind of habitual within an environment um it's like well imagine you know how to put your hand in and pick out the appropriate thing for that challenge or how you wish to perform that day but you're not having a range of what you're picking from you're aware of what you're doing you condition it over time and you simplify it over time and then you sharpen it through like more challenging experiences along the way so the conditioning yeah will then serve you well in the days where it's smooth and there's no lockdowns and you're playing your championships and everything else and playing your games and then it'll work really well on the days where you get a tackle the wrong way and you break your leg and you're out of you're out of competition for the next four months because you've been you're aware of how to manage yourself you're aware of how to keep it simple and you're aware of what to focus on to to to, to push yourself forward and it's 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 strange because yeah as i said like a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of individual athletes are so focused on what they can do to to drive themselves forward but it's not they're basically they're they're hoping for the best but they never plan for the worst and you wherever you've got in position has to has to be the same thing and it will it will work on planning for the worst they'll use the same tools and it will work for hoping for the best but if you're only hoping for the best, it's it's like putting you up on a stool and then someone running and kicking you off the stool pretty quickly. It's going to be quite uncomfortable uh, when, the, when the worst case <laughs> yeah. scenario kind of happens quickly. Uh, and then that will be the person that will be dealing with it. Um, but 
yeah, it's it's good to get this stuff set up, but much like you said, it has to be conditioned and it has to be maintained. And um, without that maintenance, um, I'm so confident that it will unravel um, that unless a person's accept, I haven't met people that have retained it, but because um, people just slip back into things. It's like if you weren't, if you give like kids work to do and didn't come in and challenge them and how they were doing it or how they could make it better, the standards would probably get pretty interesting because nobody's challenging standards along the way. And even though a person might have the capability of doing it and delivering it, it's there as a, as it's a, Sarah's being as like a facilitator and and saying what's working, what's not working, how can you make this better? And obviously by doing that, you're simplifying this variable rate of standards that people set for themselves. And it's not trying to set the standard to be perfect. It's just um, I was looking at a way that how can it be the same, if not better, the next day? Because if you do that, you can take yourself from an okay position to like pretty pretty high level uh over the space of like three or four months and that's it it's also just yeah coming into the last point of like performance so if we looked at like shaping conditioning maintaining and performing which is what people want to do at the end of the day i never look at it as a performance is something that happens in the day a performance is is basically like how you teach yourself to think and um i've had really good teams i i'm very very fortunate to have worked with a, an exceptionally good junior team uh, at st paul's school um as one of the first teams i worked with and the fundamentals are all of that if i'm going to distill it down into like a really basic thing is that you learn from the past you focus on the present because that's the only thing that's within your control and you're aware of the future but you could use that template now so people now might be fearful of fearful of like uh, a, a poor performance that they had and then they might be afraid of like oh we have to go and play that team again and they're going to go and beat us but they're not focused on what they're doing that day uh, equally you could have the other end of the scale where people demolish a team they'll be complacent self-centered and they'll be like oh well we've won all our matches so far so we're gonna absolutely destroy the rest of the season but it means they're not focused on the day or what yes yeah, yeah Stephen. on on that point if we look at you know, different sports, you know, we can have, you know, coaches going absolutely bonkers on the sideline in an NFL game or in a football game, or you've got Mourinho sliding down the touchline. Yeah. Um, and especially now in lockdown, if you watch football matches without the crowd noise, the artificial crowd noise, you can hear the coaches, some coaches uh, and, and mainly assistant coaches really pushing the guys, really giving them cues. So, if we're talking about on the day, you know, you're at that boat race, is which, which way have you found most successful or seen in other coaches? Is it the coach who steps back and it's race day, it will be what it will be, we've done all the prep? Or is there still those cues needed and is it just on a case-by-case -case basis with, with the team you're working with? Because there is a lot of different opinions on this you know the the shouty coach on the sideline silent silent uh, touchlines at, at younger age groups and i'm i'm still not sure myself it's it's there's no wrong or right way of doing something like every process will will work um to a given level and it's always i always like to say what's the simplest imagine you, you talk about do you say there's a really good um 
there's a very good documentary on Netflix called The Playbook. I don't know if you've seen it. And they do, they do like a really good interview on him when he's at Chelsea, I think. And I think for something had happened and he wasn't able to go and he had to hide in the stadium somewhere. Something had happened. He was in a bit of trouble with the the board of board the board like Chelsea. and he, he went and hid in the bin or something like the but he was there but the the guys couldn't talk to him so it's saying can the team is does a coach have to be there for the for the team to perform and what depth does that show if they're relying on having the coach there exactly and not not that not that they can deal without the coach because obviously the coach is a fundamental part of the team like the team need the coach and. The coach needs the, the athletes there or, and the players at the same time. But it's saying, right, if we took the coach away, could, and you see the same thing happen in basketball, actually with Phil Jackson, I think he had to disappear because of like a, a relative passing away. And he was like, I have to go here, I have to go and do this. And the team were able to get on because of what was conditioned. And obviously if the team were left to their own devices all the time, it would, it would probably unravel. But um, I always like to look at it in a way that the the coaches are there if they're needed but they shouldn't be if they're not there then the team should be able to get on and do it anyway and it shows like a, a sense coming back to the first points of like responsibility it a way i used to look at it is like well does it show strength or does it show weakness if there does if there's a dependency on having the coach tell you what to do it's the, the two the two um examples that are going around at the moment are two playoff teams in the NFL where you've got uh, the Cleveland Browns who have been so bad for so long, made the playoffs for the first time since 1995 and for their first playoff game uh, against their division rivals who they had just played the week before, uh, their head coach got COVID and so had to watch from his uh, basement. And obviously there are a lot of other coaches involved in that process, but uh, the team stormed it. And, you know, that spoke to a lot of that kind of the mentality of, of underdogness was part of it, I think, where they were like, like, this is even we're now in even in worse situation than we were. So we've got nothing to yeah. lose. Um, but also the, on the other side is the St. Louis Rams, where uh, so Los Angeles Rams now, uh, where their quarterback, Jared Goff, is considered ultimately completely reliant on the head coach who feeds him all of his plays and feeds him all of his information. And actually without him, like they're an incredibly successful team, but that relationship being as tight as it is feels so integral that if it wasn't there, they would collapse. So there's two, there's two teams there that benefit from that relationship or seem like they thrive without it. It's always, um, I guess I guess a good way of looking at it is what the, a lot of the stuff I do is getting people to think for themselves mm. rather than having the dependency of having to be told by others what to do because as soon as that as soon as that catalyst isn't there you could have like the best kind of kind of conditioned racehorse but if the jockey if there's not like a jockey that comes with the horse the horse is going to be standing still, like scratching its head, saying, well, "What am I meant to be doing here?" Doesn't even the know the race has started. Yeah, 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 it's just like. <laughs> Well, at least if we got it in there, that's fine. You knew that it can operate on a given level and still deliver what it is that they want to do. But if you're relying on like the, the horse whisperer from the outside guiding the jockey and the, the ho- I always treat the horse as like the body, which gets conditioned and strengthened and the jockey's the, the kind of mind, then um, 
it's like well you need to, there's quite a lot of moving parts to that isn't it's not simple it's not that we it's not that you need to stop the coach from talking on the day but um within within the way that i do work i always look at it in a way that if i need to talk to the guys in the day i haven't done a very good job of setting them up right it's not it's not representative of 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 the work that i do it's not there's no motivational chat on the day it's like I've got such confidence in, in how they've been prepared and how they've been conditioned that I just get to enjoy watching them put exactly what they want to do in the practice or not in the practice, just they just get to show people what they've been building. Definitely. I, I mean, the way that you've broke that down, Stephen, um, re- really fascinating and uh, it's really interesting to just to just hear to hear your views on this uh, and the work that you're doing. Um, I do think it's a really relevant time for us to be chatting with with lockdown and with teams, you know, having to change maybe 11 players in their starting lineup and coaches not being able to be there because it does really show that resilience and that that mental fortitude. Um you know when when that coach isn't there so i just wanted to to move on um because we we always ask uh our guests um about who's kind of influenced them in their journey and and we like to say coaches make coaches so is there anyone out there that's kind of had a an influence on you can be positive can be negative i'm sure there's loads in your career um but but anyone that's kind of guided you to to how you operate now yeah, like our um, my school coach was a was a brilliant man. He wasn't he didn't he didn't um, he did he wasn't a dictator. Uh, he was a very old man when he when he got like he was about eighty years of age, even though he was teaching like I don't know what age. I started like eleven or I was twelve when I started rowing, and um, he brought like a sense of enjoyment to it. Uh, and and I think starting off there like enjoying something at any level means that you'll be open to learning more in it and I noticed within myself like once I stopped enjoying something even being in the national team you kind of feel like a bit trapped in it you feel that you have to do it you just have to do it rather than you get to do it uh, so I think noticing within a lot of domains the the coaches were I've enjoyed working with them even if they've been very irrespective of like their their talent it, it just makes it makes like a fundamental difference and i've had mixed relationships with 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 um coaches in the national team even though they're all trying to deliver the same thing but usually a lot of that the the relationships weren't because the coaches weren't weren't good coaches it was because but i was probably reluctant to be coached uh along the way um because i wanted to do stuff on my own uh, as opposed to listen to what the coach had to say so the coaches are there to help you and there to make you better. And sometimes it's always athletes don't always see it in that way or players don't always see it in that way and they, they think that they know better. But yeah, my probably my, my school coach uh, was very good and then I had a brilliant uh, university coach. He was he's still still there. The guy called Angelo Savarini. Uh, he's at Newcastle University and he's helped transform the program there. But the man um certainly teaches you about what your body's capable of doing if you and if you do that then <laughs> your your mind opens up a few other doors because uh, that program was probably the that was the hardest program i did at university even beyond the national team uh and then yeah i think a, sen- a sense of enjoyment and getting challenged from different angles along the way but yeah the those those probably were the coaches that, that stood out along the way so far amazing shout out to shout out to them they making yeah. uh, national national team members and and uh, impacting even the 2020 
I think they're still called the 2020 Olympics, aren't they? Even though they're taking place whenever. 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They need to. They need to keep it the 2020 yeah. for all the uh, all the merchandise. Though they can't have T-shirts. The same. Just they tip got, exit. Yeah. Tip exit over. <laughs> Quick edit. The la- the last thing uh, we ask is: if there's anything that uh, you want to point our audience towards? Anything you want to plug or promote, or just you think uh, everyone you got to see this? Uh, what do you want to give a shout out to? No, it's just um, it's it's something that I, a lot of athletes don't really. Um, a lot of athletes rarely look at i certainly know when i was competing i rarely look at how they're thinking um but i think a good thing to notice at the end of the day is like well you could be the best conditioned athlete in the world but if you're limited by how you think um then then that's going to inhibit how you perform and it's not even having a good mindset it's being very aware of what delivers a performance how can you do that on a consistent basis and do you have a system in place that helps facilitate that or you just have good days and bad days. And I, I a really nice thing to do is just to learn from others. Um, so I read lots of books, but it's good to always learn from people that have been through trials and tribulations as well as attaining like a high level because there's never a, a linear path to achieving greatness, so to speak, or whatever way people want to describe it. So I would, as well as experiencing through your own eyes, uh, and your own your own kind of day to day process. Look out, look out for others, and look at how they've operated. Not necessarily what what they've done, more so how they've dealt with adversity yeah. and how they've dealt with success along the way. Because it's like, well, we've got the internet. I know t- talking about plugs, but we've got the internet. You can basically find out anything about any high performer, or you can pick up a book. And it's something it's quality podcasting out it. there. High performance yeah. podcasters. Sean would plug yeah. every week. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good. It's good to um, it's good to read and listen to stuff for like entertainment value, but look at it in a way like to say, well, what can I learn and yeah. what can I use from that, as opposed to just listening to it for like an entertainment purpose or watch it for an entertainment purposes. It's always good to say, what can I take from this to yeah. go and practice. Uh, Sean is a Sean is a massive book hound. So, what are you reading at the moment that you can put him onto? Uh, I can I, I dot around a whole load of stuff. Uh, I'm reading the book. <laughs> I'm reading the book about this guy who set up uh, one of the biggest chemical companies in the US. A guy called John M. Huntsman. It's winners never cheat. But I read. I read such random books. Another book. I read about four or five books at the same time. And I've read Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Probably about. I read that about ten times a year. Probably. <laughs> I literally carry it around in my pocket. Wow. Um, but. I think it's always good if you can learn from anybody. I read history books, but that's what I'm reading. I'm reading that and a few other history books at the minute. Basically, anybody that's done a performance or attained something at a good level, not necessarily what they're doing, because he works. This guy works. He built a chemical company, and I'm not trying to learn about that. But I, I I've got a very, I'm, I always, I'm very interested in in the individual and the character of that individual because that's where the common denominator is in performance, not just that, oh, yeah. that's what they do in basketball and that's what they do in and There are like, common factors no. about about each of these areas in terms of how to succeed at what you're doing, and that's exactly what, that's exactly what this podcast is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. It's why, and it's why me and me and Mark uh, were able to put the podcast together, Stephen, because we're sat in a room, uh, you know, on a daily basis, having these types of yeah. uh, conversations whilst still doing our work and being diligent, of course. Obviously. Um, but we're we're from to- we're from totally different backgrounds, but both that have the core foundation of performance in them, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what fascinates me uh, in terms of my reading, and it's also an excuse. Uh, you've given me a good excuse, Stephen, um, because I'm a very slow reader. But the reason is, is because I feel like when I'm reading, I want to actually take in the information and I want to learn from it. Um, and I really want to absorb it. Um, so that's my excuse for reading books very slowly. <laughs> so, so, and I, I think that's what you were saying in terms of taking it all in and, and learning from from it. So yeah. uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Stephen. Um, as I said, we, we met maybe... Couple. two years ago I think yeah. at that at that talk um and you know you've always been in the it, sort of in the back of my mind there as someone who I'd either want to try and work with in some some capacity or at least just learn more about what you do um and so really really appreciate your time um and yeah good luck uh, moving into 2021 uh, yeah. and all your online training yeah. uh, that you'll be doing and hopefully some physical training as well uh, face-to-face and yeah awesome and thank you so much thank you Steve yeah, thank you very much for having me on the show and um yeah hope hopefully this has been useful to those that are listening to it so there you go phenomenal stuff uh the guy like super inspirational i I was so interested in that because partly because i've sort of been there to a small degree certainly not to competing on a national level degree but that sense of not being able to work in a group even though you've got the same goals because your own sense of what you're trying to do is a little bit too rigid or you know not being able to communicate with each other and like it's super powerful for him just to express that as well like to be that upfront about it absolutely I, I, f- I think for me as well just just knowing at the level that he has worked at and works at currently um, it really is a different environment to what a lot of us will be dealing with on a day-to-day basis within our teams. It is kind of that 1% of really kind of high-level performers, whether that's in the top rowing schools that he's working in or whether that's, you know, at a kind of Olympic level, uh, GB level. It is a really different mindset that those groups of people have and it can be a very selfish mindset to be the best. So when you're trying to put then a collection of people together who all have that mindset... That's where Stephen's work is super, super important um, for yeah, me. Yeah, we talk we, we talk about egos quite a lot, and the, like we're talking about people who are like world class at what they do, and should feel great about that, and that does build ego. Exactly, exactly. But you know, it's uh, what makes the boat go faster is, uh, is, is I think uh, <laughs> s- someone someone said, um, you know, what makes the boat go faster. And so that is a group of people. It is a collection of people. Um, and, and you know, I think that Stephen's work is, as I say, really, really important to that. Um, and the way that he broke it down, I think, was really simple for for kind of the layman to understand uh certainly myself included um so yeah really enjoyed that episode amazing so we've got a couple of really exciting episodes coming up we are moving a little bit away from sport for the next couple which is quite exciting um although i I think they're probably always going to come back to you know sport or larking around on stage at some point because it's you and i sean exactly and and you know what we we have a, a future episode where 
Liverpool were were brought into the mix um, from from someone who wasn't me, um, and you know was was from someone who who has a PhD. So look forward to that episode. Yeah, I'm really really excited for the guests coming up, and we'll uh, let you know more about those as well as we're moving on. Like if you have anyone you want us to get on, or if you have any areas of uh, teamwork that you want us to explore or find someone to interview, just let us know. Tweet us or. Uh, at us on Instagram at noipodcast uh, or you can email us mark or sean at noipodcast.show or our LinkedIn's are both in the show notes and like we've been coming up with some great connections and it's where we've managed to pick up a bunch of really fun guests from so yeah come join us over there for that chat and just yeah just let us know who you want to hear from and uh, how you think we're doing you can review us on all of the places you can review podcasts it'd be nice to have a little little five stars somewhere up on on itunes would be quite it'd be quite fun to read it's like getting a school report yes please indeed <laughs> yes please five stars only thank you very much but all that's left now is uh to say goodbye from sean goodbye guys and goodbye from me bye you must be like the wolf pack teamwork yes <laughs>